Zach Attack. What up? <laughs> What's what? up, dude? Not much, man. Well, hey, could we we promised the, the listeners something. We did. And we are going to hold true to that promise. And we're going to deliver it today. We ran a half marathon once. Ooh, takes me back. We ran 13.1 miles. Yes. In one morning. Yeah. This isn't over a span of time. No. One morning, we ran 13.1 miles in a race in Fort Worth, Texas, and we didn't train for it. We did not. We did? Well, well we trained. We trained. Uh, you want me to, yeah, so you, you can tell We actually are working on putting out our training regimen for all of you that are looking to run a half marathon. Yeah, um, our receptionist, Monica, is working on it right now. Thank you, Monica. Thanks, Monica. Um, any hoozy. <laughs> anyway, um, we basically, it was, we decided that we were going to run in like late October. Right. Someone challenged us. And so we were like, all right, yes, we'll do it. We'll train. I think that week we ran like three miles in the rain. Yeah. And we're like, all right. With Laurel Perry. Yes, with Laurel Perry. Shout, Shout out, Laurel. Laurel. She like wrote up this great training regimen. For and had, like, all year. Off days. And like, it was like a 10 week program. Right. Like we were going to do it. Yeah. Fast forward, uh, the week before the race, we realized our last run was... The no, three mile run yeah, in, October. in October. And that's obviously problematic. Right. It's not good. So I was, I was realizing that I was like, dang, like, I need to train. So um, that day it was a Tuesday. The race was on Sunday. Right. Closed on Sunday. You might take play. The race was on Sunday. And I was like, I need to go train. So I laced up my running shoes, walked to the training facility here at Dallas Baptist University. Go Patriots. Go Pats. And Started the treadmill and ran seven miles. Right. At about like an eight minute pace. Not bad. And then it had been like a little, like a little under an hour. And then I basically like at an hour, the treadmill turns off. And so I was like, I, get, I mean, I'm good. Yeah, like, that's about I it. felt really good running that on the treadmill, the seven miles, came back, told Zach. He's like, oh, that's good. I'll do that tomorrow. Yes. So then the next day. So next day I walk the same steps to the gym. I get on the treadmill and it's around the Winter Olympics Yes. Uh, in February. And so I watched ice skating. I, uh, speed skating. I watched speed skating as I ran. I kind of was like, I was like running like I was Apollo Anton Ono, and wow. um, it was great. And Did so you wear I, the bandana? No, I didn't wear a bandana. I should have. I should have had a little goatee too. But anyway, we we finished that, and that was our training. So, I mean, that was free. You're welcome. If you're training for a half marathon right yep. now, that's what we did. And they got us through. It was not successful. But no. here's what happened. The night before, we cooked a bunch of pasta. Like a like an irresponsible amount of pasta. So much pasta. And we did not put a dent in it. <laughs> but we, we carb-loaded, like, baby. We stuffed ourselves and barely scraped the top off the bowl. We had Alfredo sauce, chicken, right. pasta. The, the meal of champions. We the were prepping whole well. nine yards. And so we're like, we're ready to go. We're going to get a good eight hours of sleep. We're going to yep. drink a lot of water. And we're like, what else could we do? We're ready right. for this race. For, we felt ready. Yeah. So we go that morning, early in the morning, we get out to Fort Worth, Texas, to the stockyards. The hilly plains. Oh, yeah. Lord have mercy, the hills. We'll get there. And so we're kind of warming up. We're like, everyone's there like in these extreme running clothes yep. we're just in some nike shorts and just a dbu shoes. shirt and, yeah and we're like stretching our calves like we know what we're doing figuring out how to put on a running bib we that's a puzzle <laughs> in itself yeah, we just could not figure out without poking ourselves yep. and yeah so we're there we get in line and we're on our in our little shoot we, we met nick pitts yeah we nick talked pitts. about that in the last episode he was chugging his mountain dews right but we talked about that last episode so keep going zach go check out nick pitts if you haven't already yes incredible episode so we, we see Nick and then we go to our starting line where we started. They go in kind of like in waves. You feel like cattle. You really way. do. We moment. are in the stockyards. It was yeah. just, we felt like cows. And so 
we're, we were in the third group and then they let us go and immediately we lost each other. Yeah. So we were like, we'll run together. Right, of course. But then once they said go, I ran and I turn around and you were gone. Yeah. And then you turn around, I was gone. Right. And we, at that I don't point, know who was, I don't know who was in front at that point. I don't it might have been you, but I don't we, know. it wasn't. Yeah, we just there were so many people. It was like you're fighting for literally a place to put your foot. Right. And so we just lost each other. And at that point, I was like, just cut the losses. I'm just gonna run and follow the people. <laughs> you have to. Just kept going, running and running and running. And then finally, I'm like, it's like mile. I don't know, five, six. Sure. And so it's not too bad yet. I'm kind of hurting, but remember, we had ran seven miles. We ran before. seven miles. We've done this before. We're veterans. Don't worry about it. We know what it feels it. like to run seven miles. And so I'm running by and I, I see a stand. I'm like, oh, I could really use some Gatorade right now. And so I see a stand of these people and they had a Bluetooth speaker. They were going nuts. Yeah. And some guys were just like, woo, yeah. yeah they were like, I'm excited, like, oh, just encouraging people. And I, I run up and I grab a cup and it, it's a little, a tiny little cup. And I grab it and I'm about to knock it back when I look at the sign. Wow. And it's the fireball logo. Yes. Like the alcohol. Like the highly alcohol. Alcoholic beverage. At this point in my life, I'm 20 years old, and it's mile six. Yeah, I, it's it's illegal for me to drink it, and the race is not yet half over. And if I would have drank it anyway, I would have died. Yeah, you would have died. Like I don't need fireball in my system. As I I'm think you were ahead of me at that point, I would have just had to run by you, carry you, literally. I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what those guys were thinking, but that's just a funny moment. I was like, who's giving out fireball at a marathon? Yeah. So I have to throw it down and wait for the next station. So we're just running and running and Cooper. Yeah, we get to about mile nine, and um, you look ahead of you, and you realize you see basically a wall of pavement. Right. And so as you just your eyes gaze upwards, you realize that we're climbing a monumental hill. It's massive. It was. It was. I mean, there's no way to describe it other than like it feels like we'd added ten pound weights to our ankles. Right. And you're just chugging. You just. Uphill. It's like head down, just literally drive the hips and hope that you're you're you make it. I would just look at the person in front of me and try to like get past them. Right. It's just a little bit of encouragement. But that hill of mile nine really just did me in. Mm. I did finish the race, but right after mile nine, I just it just it wasn't good. However, there was something that was good. That right. So this was mile thirteen, though. Oh, okay. Then let me go backwards. Yeah. A so bit. once you get to the top of the hill, yes. what happened? I got to the top of the hill, uh, mile nine complete. Uh, I make it to mile eleven, and I am hurting. I am <gasps> heaving. The just my left lung has shriveled to the size of a pea. <laughs> it is cramping hard, oh. and I see it a glow. There was just this glow, it, it just the angels, oh, kind of permeating <laughs> from this location. So I just. It just crumple run towards it, and it's a porta potty. Mm, the safe have, haven have of all runners. Looked forward to a porta porta potty more than this moment. No, I opened the door. Praise God, there was no one in it. Oh god, it didn't smell horrible. I mean, no matter what the smell was, I was committed at this mm, point. I locked mm. the door, and I just like lean up against the wall, and I'm just peeing, leaning against the wall, and I'm just. I have never wanted to quit anything more in mm. my life. I was just thinking of like excuses. Like if I fall on the way out, maybe they'll like not make me finish. Right. But it's just, I was done peeing and I was standing there and I was like, all right. And I just counted to 10 and then busted the door open and just took off, started running again. And I just, that moment I had never wanted to quit anything more in my entire life. Right. And you didn't, you I finished. Did so then we get to mile 13. And so a half marathon is 13.1 miles. And so Which you is think just so deceptive. It's so deceptive. You get to 13, you see the 13, you're like, we're almost done. We're running, you're running. Then you have 0.1 mile left. Yep. 
And that is the worst part of the it's race. It's the worst. My eyes were literally like caving in, blacking out. I was, I thought I was going to die. I was like, this is it. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see a small little girl yes. on the side of the road by herself out in front of her house. And she has a Tupperware box full of orange slices. And I just literally, I, she just holds them out to me. I reach my hand in, I grab a handful and just shove them in my mouth. At this point, I can't eat them. I literally, I can't swallow them. So I just suckle from their riches and I keep moving. Wow. I, <laughs> what? I I don't know. I just sucked on them. I spent them out and I finished the race. You suckled from the riches. <laughs> I, so yeah. Okay. I well, uh, Zach, I saw the same angel handing out the oranges, and I did the same thing. I she and the Tupperware had been removed, and she just was holding them out in her hand. So I grabbed one, and then I grabbed like she had extended one of her hands. So I grabbed the orange, and then I reached into her hand that was by her chest and just grabbed the other one out of her hand as well. <laughs> and I did end up swallowing those oranges, and we ended up finishing. We did. We Moral. both got sub oh, two hours. We did. Moral of the story. If you're going to run a half marathon, train for it. Bring your oranges. And bring your oranges. And if you see a porta potty, stop in it and don't drink trust. the fireball. Also, don't trust a fart. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Coop McCullough. How what would, is up, Zach? You know, Burke. <laughs> Coop, it's funny you mention uh, Closed on Sunday. Yes. By Chick fil A. <laughs> just kidding. By Kanye. By Kanye, yeah. Yeah. I meant to say that. But today we're interviewing Kevin Hutchison. He's the owner operator of the Chick fil A in Branson, Missouri, my hometown. Wow. Talk about a game changer. My junior year of high school. Kevin opened up Chick-fil-A in Branson. And the world changed. The world literally changed. It's the only place my family ate. It's the only place anybody eats there. But I'm excited about this one. This is a good one. Uh, Chick-fil-A is winning. I mean, Kanye West literally made a song about them. That is how you know you're winning. You're winning when Kanye's talking about you. And if you read their mission, mission statement, it is to be America's best quick service restaurant at winning and keeping customers. And they are mighty quick they're so quick and they are winning and keeping customers and you know what i love about chick-fil-a tell me i love no matter the weather you're gonna find one of two things mm -hmm. winter it's cold you're gonna find some employee with frigid cold hands tapping on an ipad mm -hmm. to help you get through the line quickly mm -hmm. or fast forward to summer you're gonna find a little khaki shorts boy or girl <laughs> Taking your order, so right? That you can, it's in the blistering, sweltering, literally sweltering, saying that it is indeed their pleasure to do this. But that is what it takes to win. It takes that to win. We just read, me and Cooper, you, we both read "Excellence Wins" by Horst Schultz, a yes. book we would highly recommend. Talking about how to become the best uh, in a world of compromise. Absolutely, and Horst so is many. Not the person we're interviewing no, today, we but wish. he's the one who created the Ritz Carlton for context. Right. Sorry about that. Um, but what he talks about is how to. Go above and beyond. That's something we talk about here with Kevin is what second mile service looks like where people expect one mile, but you're going to take them a second. Yes. What it takes to be um, continuously improving in your business and, and what it looks like to put your customer first. So many times we want to put ourselves first. We want to put our business first. What furthers us before we think of other people and, and Chick-fil-A is winning and they're winning customers. And if you run a business, if you run something where you're trying to keep customers or keep people uh, into what you're doing, 
this is great for you. It is. Uh, you have so much to learn from Kevin and what him and Chick-fil-A are doing. Um, so we're, I'm excited. Yes. Zach, before we get started, Come I on. just wanted to let you know that you are indeed my Chick-fil-A. You're my number one with the lemonade. Hey, I'm not always closed on Sunday, though. Come on. But hey, before we go into the episode, I just want to take a quick pause and say, if you have been a faithful listener, this is episode seven. If you have been a listener through this whole time. First of all, thank you. Yeah. We, thank you so much for listening. We hope and we pray. Every time we go out, we pray it's a blessing to just one person. And we have been so encouraged by the feedback that we've already received. We we really have. And I just want to say, if you have been blessed by this, if this has um, helped you if in any way, it would bless us if you left a review or a, a comment down below on the podcast app, or if you just rated it, um, gave us a rating and give us your honest feedback. Right. Don't just do it five stars because you feel like that's what we want. We actually want to get better and make content that's better for our listeners. Right. And we value your opinion because you're the people who are listening. We don't really know what you're thinking. And we want to gauge that. So we also have an email. Coop, what's our email? Yes. Next.generation.leader.podcast at gmail.com. Super short and sweet, so it's right. easy to remember. Yeah, it's kind of a mouthful, but you, you won't forget it. Right. Um, so shoot us an email. And even if you have somebody who you think would be beneficial to be on the podcast, let us know. Shoot us an email. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to invite you to leave a comment, leave a review. And that just makes us get better. We want to continuously get better and, and, and hone in on this craft. And we want to do it as a blessing for ourselves and for you. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. We hope you enjoy the episode. So without further ado, here's my interview with Kevin Hutchison. Well, Kevin, it's good to have you. Thanks for being on uh, with us. I want to start. You're the owner of Chick-fil-A here in Branson, Missouri. I want you to just open the mic, let you tell your story. How yeah. do you get to Branson? How do you get into Chick-fil-A? Because it's a well-known organization. So how do you get here? Yeah. Um, long story short, because we can make it super long. Uh, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, around Chick-fil-A. Uh, Chick-fil-A was like the spot right. uh, that you know we went to after high school football games. They'd stay open late. Um, it was the the dinner spot for uh, my family, and probably the coolest part is it was a it was the date night spot for my grandparents. The first week Truett Cathy opened in 1946. Oh wow! So like and the so, original, so Chick-fil-A. the original, the Dwarf House, like itty bitty Dwarf House. Um, my grandparents ate there the first week that that Truett opened, and so they were huge, um, just like lovers of uh, not just the food, but uh, what Truett was in those early days and what he remained, uh, you know, to, up until his death. Yeah. Um, I'm just like a, a very generous, uh, person, a connector with people, uh, and, and just someone who showed genuine care uh, to all of those that, that he encountered. And so, um, so growing up, uh, I, my grandparents would, would watch my brother and I during the summers when school was out and my parents were working. And, and so one or two times a week, they would take us to the original dwarf house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would always wait for the same booth, which was the one in the corner that That's cool. had the, uh, had the seven dwarfs, uh, depicted. My grandma would always tell me the story. You know, we kind of gave her a hard time sometimes. Like, <laughs> we heard this on Tuesday, you yeah. know? but, um, but so just kind of growing up around Chick-fil-A, you know, I didn't know what life was like without Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it was my, my breakfast stop on the way to the office. And it was where my group of college friends went for lunch, you know, when we had a, had a break between classes. So it was just kind of a part of life, um, mm-hmm. in, in the Atlanta area. And my, that when I built my first house, um, my grandmother gave me that news article and it was like, you know, I'm so proud of you for accomplishing your dream. Yeah. Um, that was like a, a pretty neat thing for me, but then, you know, what I'll also realize is just, was this, was this life sustainable? My wife and I didn't have any kids at the time. She was finishing her master's and, and I was working like crazy. And 
you know, all over, you know, the Atlanta area. And it was just a, um, a really busy time. Um, but, but was it like what we wanted life to look like and had a really good friend that uh, worked for Chick-fil-A. It was a management consultant at the home office and Mm -hmm. went and sat down and had lunch. And, and, uh, I remember he said, uh, he said, hey, next time you come for lunch, make sure you wear slacks. And I said, I'm just here for lunch. He right. said, no, you're going to be a Chick-fil-A operator. Huh. And I said, no, I, I build houses. Yeah, I don't, it's a little worked, different. never worked in a restaurant. Yeah. He said, don't worry, you're going to be a Chick-fil-A operator. Hmm. And uh, and so just some mentorship from some really great dudes, um, you know, back, I guess, 10 years or so ago now, um, has, was, you know, kind of just showed me that, that really what I felt like I, I was looking for in fulfillment and ability to impact and influence people uh, was really possible to be lived out uh, in business as opposed to in addition to business through through Chick-fil-A. So, um, so what brought us here, uh, my wife's family is all in Arkansas mm. and, um, and a lot kind of split between Little Rock and, and Northwest Arkansas. And we just want to be close to family and knew that, that pursuing Chick-fil-A was going to take us away from Atlanta. And, uh, so we, uh, we kind of targeted Arkansas, had an opportunity to uh, operate the Battlefield Mall location for about three years, uh, as we uh, saw continued growth with the brand and, uh, and just wanted to be somewhere where we could kind of lay down roots and be in the area for a, a long period of time. And uh, we wanted someplace that there were direct flights to Atlanta. Mm. We wanted someplace that we felt like uh, people would visit us. And, um, and so we feel like we, uh, we kind of got uh, some, some best of both worlds there in, uh, in living here in, in Branson. Yeah, Branson's a good place for that. I think a lot of people know Chick-fil-A as a customer-oriented place. They say, my pleasure, but no one really knows the mission or vision behind it or what, yeah. what y'all are based off of. So can you kind of go into that, the, the mission and vision of your organization? Yeah, I, th- I think really th- what is most foundational is, is the corporate purpose, um, which uh, is uh, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted and have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. So back in the early 80s, uh, Chick-fil-A saw its first year of, uh, of no sales growth. Uh, there was like just some some hard times uh, in, in you know, nationwide economy. And um, we experienced this boom in shopping mall growth that, that was kind of softening a little bit. And so so Truett and and uh, and others of the executive committee they they gathered uh, at a resort up in North Atlanta, and they said, you know, okay, what are we here to do? And you know, the conversations kind of started out. Well, we got to figure out how to you know how to fix this sales slump, how to how to build sales. You know, no, 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 no. What what are we here for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and through that, the the corporate purpose was crafted, um, and you know, it became the filter that all decisions are are run through. Um, you know, does does the way that we're operating business does it glorify God? Um, does it create uh, positive influence on all who we come in contact with? I tell people all the time that for me, all starts on my side of the counter. My side's the the get or the uh, the team member side of the counter, and um, you know, so if, if I can have a great influence on a team member, then it makes it real easy for that person to turn around and and have a great influence and love on and care for those who are walking in the doors to spend money. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then just stewardship. Um, you know, how are we being a faithful steward of what's entrusted? You know, so, sometimes that might be the lives of the team members that's entrusted to us that we have at that moment to to be able to be a part of our team. Uh, sometimes it's the equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you beat the equipment up, right. it's going to cost you money. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, if we're being a good steward 
of all that's entrusted, then we're looking at that kind of holistically of saying, you know, what this, these things, um, you know, God has, has blessed us with, or has put us at this time, um, to, to steward, um, just, just like, a as parents, we steward our, our kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it's, so it's, it's such a time as this that, you know, we, we steward lots of different things, um, in the midst of business and personal life and all those things. But if we, if we really truly evaluate and say, are we being a faithful steward? Are we being, mm. uh, are we doing our very best? Um, whether it's for Chick-fil-A, uh, or for, um, for the glory of God, yeah. you know, how, how are we, um, how are we really being a steward? And so, so I think that's really honestly the most foundational, uh, part of, of who we are and, and what we do. Um, you know, customer service is a huge part of that. Mm. Um, and so I feel like if we're caring for people well, that, um, that not only are, are they going to, uh, tell others about Chick-fil-A, they're, they're going to come often. Uh, they're going to, they're going to feel as though, um, we are a part of life, just like Chick-fil-A was for me growing up in Atlanta mm-hmm. when nobody really knew Chick-fil-A. But for us, just serving people well, um, caring for everybody the same. We don't we don't know what you have, what what baggage you carry, or or maybe that, that you don't have any. But when yeah. you walk through the doors of Chick Fil A, we want you to feel cared for, and we want you to feel that that we've done our best to serve you well. Mm. So. so, what does it look like as the owner operator of a specific Chick Fil A to instill that mission or vision on your team member? Because I feel like a lot of leaders, your first priority isn't necessarily the customer, but it's the people who are going to be interacting with the customers. Yeah. Would that be true for you or, or is it the customer? Yeah. Um, well, so I would, I would say that first and foremost, I want to take care of my, my team. Um, and because they ultimately will represent me at the times that I'm inside the restaurant and the times that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so, so we want to put the the emphasis on making sure that our team is well cared for. Um, but they also uh, know and hear hear often from me that really the customer is who creates jobs for everybody. If nobody's walking through the doors spending money, uh, then then we can we can be nice and caring and loving. But but like the things that uh, allow us the opportunity and the luxury to care for people uh, and influence our community in a different way is is because you know we have been blessed to become a pretty popular brand. Yeah, and and so those. Uh, those those times of of supporting the local school, or um, you know, hosting a Chick Fil A Leader Academy, or um, you know, just just being able to to do things that are unexpected and generous. Mm-hmm. Those things happen because of the customers that are walking through the door and spending money. Yeah. So the my pleasure thing, I think, is something that is so foundational. Everyone knows if you go to a Chick Fil A, you're going to get a my pleasure. Is there a story behind that? Is that a, a Truett Kathy thing? Yeah. Is that a yeah, where did that start? There's a little bit of a funny story behind it. So Truett, he experienced terminology, the slogan, my, my pleasure. And, and he said, you know, if if someone comes in to our restaurants and, and we've served them in a way that they want to extend a thank you, then I feel as though we should respond with my pleasure, that it's been a pleasure to serve mm. uh, them. And, and it, it really is a shift of the attitude of the heart. Um, but but he really wanted our team members um, across the country to to really seek that, that joy in serving others. Um, and so uh, when it was first announced, uh, Truett said, you know, when, when someone says, thank you, we're going to say my pleasure. And he said, now say it with me. And, and, and what is it again now? And for years, Truett had to, uh, had to be the one that always 
carried that torch mm. um, because it was something that, you know, I think there was a lot of people that probably said, we're, we're a fast food restaurant. Right. You know, you want us to say my pleasure. Um, and, and so it was, it was true. It's heart for really just having, um, having that, that joy of serving instilled, uh, in those that, that are frontline workers, you know, was really the driving force, but, yeah. but it, it wasn't an overnight fix. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up leading to a, a totally different service model and different view of hospitality that, um, that you, that you see in Chick-fil-A today, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, whether it's carrying a tray to a table, which which is maybe a little unexpected, or refreshing a beverage, or uh, you know doing the things that that we do that we would consider second mile service, um, we uh, feel like that that is uh, you know a lot of the cornerstone of what our brand has become as far as it relates to hospitality. I like that term uh, second mile service. Can you talk about that a little more? What does yeah. it look like? And what does it mean to have second mile service? Yeah. Well, it's it's biblical, right? Uh, right. Um, so so. Uh, um, in you know days of uh, Roman soldiers coming through your stomping grounds, right? right? What did you have to do? They you have to carry their to carry their things, pack, yeah. um, and and you know that uh, you know so so that teaching says that if we're asked to carry uh, one mile, then we should carry it within a second. Mm. We kind of um, relate that directly to um, you know what we do in the restaurant. If you if you look at other brands. You know, things I think become very transactional and it can honestly get that way at our brand when, when the, the lines are out the door and, you know, we're just, you know, speed is an expectation as a part of that service model. Right. And so, but, um, you know, when we have the opportunity to go above and beyond and, and have people serving out in the dining room, um, and, and refreshing beverages and clearing trays and, and really just taking care of the, the, the guest needs. Uh, I, I tell our folks, if you can keep people sitting, it's better for everybody. Yeah. Um, it's better because they're not getting up and they're, they're not going to, they're not going to be at the condiment station at the same time that the, the folks that have just received their meal are, are grabbing stuff. Uh, they're not going to be standing at the end of the counter trying to get a, a, a refreshed beverage. Um, you know, because if we keep them in their seats, we get to control all that and we can't always do it. Yeah. Um, but, but the more people we can keep sitting really that it just allows them to, um, kind of have the, the rest experience that like. Uh, is the core of what our restaurant is, and and so if they're having to get up and down and up and down, you see that, like figure out how can we how can we help them and keep them sitting, um, and and be able to serve their needs, and and sometimes it's, oh yeah, actually I I I could use a little bit of ketchup. Okay, great, let me get that for you. Get back to the table, and we and you know we forgot uh, we need an extra fork. Hey, I got it taken care of. Mm. You know, and so that that kind of what could be a chaotic experience for somebody. Um, kind of boils down to we we've served what their needs were, uh, whether they were you know super small, or whether they were you know larger and and there was a there was a sick child and or there was um, you know someone that that was um, just having a really rough day and and our team had the freedom to sit down with them and just be a part of life. Mm-hmm. So second mile service is just going beyond what's expected right. and, and and what's expected of a a fast food brand. Um, I think. Uh, oftentimes you would say those expectations are pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we feel like we've almost kind of put ourselves in a different category. Like what's it called? We don't really know. Are we fast, casual, right. yeah. premium, quick serve? Like what are we? Mm-hmm. But we've, we've kind of, um, 
been able to um, become recognized almost as much for our service as as for the food. Mm. So. Yeah, I think that's a, a real staple of who Chick-fil-A is. And I think it comes down to y'all's core values. And I just want to read through those real quick because I love them and, and love what they stand for. And they're customer first, personal excellence, continuous improvement, working together and stewardship. Would you add anything to that or speak into those? I think you had mentioned that, that one of those that kind of jumped up on your radar was was continuous improvement. Yeah. I really want to talk about that one and, and what it looks like in your business and yeah. in your specific Chick-fil-A to have yeah. continuous improvement. Yeah. I think what we've seen as a byproduct of growth is that what worked maybe last year doesn't work this year. Mm. You know, so specifically here in Branson, um, we have a abnormally high dine-in guest. Um, percentage-wise. So the average Chick-fil-A is doing around 65% of their business through the drive-thru. Well, in Branson, we were about 50-50. Um, and that's just kind of the makeup of how people are are receiving Chick-fil-A in their travel. They're maybe coming here as a destination. Yeah. And they're not grabbing food and going back to the hotel room. They're grabbing food on the way to their next thing. But they have a little bit of time to sit down. And so what we've seen is that that takes more people to serve in the dining room. You know, if the dining room is full and the drive through is not, not your average Chick-fil-A, then it takes more people uh, hands-on serving in the dining room. You know, what we've seen the last couple of years is that if we have a rainy day, that the, the dining room becomes a, a huge capacity. And so this past year, we, we have the only fully covered patio in the, the Chick-fil-A chain um, and, and are able to seat 50 people outside because we saw that you know, as, as growth was continuing, we were going to have a, a larger problem um, if we couldn't address what, what was our reality. So whether that's, you know, looking at how do we give someone a, an inviting environment, you know, it, it's not super inviting when people have to, to walk around and they're standing next to your table, hoping that you finish up quicker yeah. because they're standing there. Um, you know, so whether it's that, um, you know, to upstream ordering where we're taking orders on iPads inside the restaurant, um, as, as we do outside. Um, so what, what that does for our kitchen production folks is that gives them the order and ends up cutting the line time down by 45 to 50 seconds, um, of, of total time in line for our guests. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when we can get the order to the kitchen faster, um, then, then that allows more time for them to produce. And as opposed to, you know, if you're walking through the line and you go all the way to the register, we've intercepted and taken that order a minute ahead of that, then, then it's likely that your meal's ready before your drinks are finished. Yeah. And, um, but then, so if it's, you know, whether it's the, the ordering experience of, of having, you know, using iPad registers out in the drive-thru, you've probably seen that, you know, in different areas of the country, sometimes there's none, sometimes there's four. Uh, if you go to Joplin, there's probably six or seven or eight. <laughs> and, and so, uh, um, so we're really able to kind of flex as to what the needs of the business are there. And then, uh, but at the same time, if you visit our restaurant here in Branson, you also see that during peak times we do outside meal delivery. So somebody's on the outside of the window um, in a in a safety lane that's marked for outside meal delivery, and mm -hmm. so they're they're having that. Even though we're having a quick drive through experience, they're still having some face to face contact at the ordering and at the meal delivery. Um, and and what that also does though is that allows us to to be able to move cars back and forth. If there's that meal's not quite ready when they pull up to the window, we can pull them 20 or 30 feet ahead, serve the next car, and then jump back to that first one and, and the line keeps moving. Um, you know, from there, what we also have seen is that um, as we, as, as different um, product groups or condiments, you know, 
vary in their popularity or there's a new, you know, something new introduced or even just the way that, that, that we have bulk packaging. Um, we've seen that there's a lot of benefit to making um, the, the number of steps that team members take to retrieve certain items. I mean, that, that ultimately plays into the customer experience because if it takes you 45 seconds to go back to the back and grab a box of Chick-fil-A sauce because we have it in an inconvenient place versus it taking 15 seconds, it's 30 extra seconds that someone could have been serving a guest. So it seems... Which sounds so small, but it, in reality, when you're in line, that, that's a huge amount of time. Yeah. Or or it's three or four beverages refreshed at the mm. end of the counter, or it's, you know, it's there's lots of different things and yeah. ways that that can look. But, um, you know, so, so there's... There's always tweaks that are being made. Um, so my team knows uh, that that it's okay to move stuff. Um, mm. That that it, everything doesn't need to look the same. Um, I uh, I was kind of challenged by a, a former leader that we had in our restaurant that uh, worked for us the first summer that we were open, and then um, went away to school and then came back and she goes, "Wow, everything looks the same as it did last summer." And I thought, mm. "That's not how it needs to look because yeah. that means that we haven't been thinking." Is there a better way of doing things? Um, so if we find the best way, it's okay to park there for a little bit. But then as soon as a box size changes or a new product comes out or we change the the packaging that a fork is in, you know, anything that may seem small, if we think, well, there's there's a better way or a better position or how do we make this easier on our team? How can you grab something quicker to get it in a bag faster to serve a guest quicker? You know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you ju- you're just rushing more. Efficiency and rushing are two different things, right? Uh, and so it so it allows us to um, just kind of focus on how, how do we make the team member experience better and more efficient, and that's like a that's a constant um, evolution all the time. Yeah. Um, so there there are so many things that we might move within the week. We have some some very large catering orders that go out on Fridays uh, to a local college, and, and we actually move the production line tables. For that two hours that we're producing at a really high volume uh, for one particular product, because our team said, you know what, why are we turning the corner with this? If we just put these two tables together, we'd have 12 feet of workspace. And then when we finish, guess what? We'll just roll them right back around. Yeah. And uh, and so that I think that we encourage the innovation process and, and our team knows that it's okay to move stuff um, and it's okay to make things better. Yeah. And so we would really encourage them. If you see something, act on it. Don't sit on it. Yeah, that's what, that was actually my next question is as a leader, as the owner operator of your Chick-fil-A, how specifically do you empower those you lead to move things or to, to, to be confident to, to change things in order to make the system or process better? So I would say I, I give a very high level of, of freedom. I use the term today, my court, your ball, right? Mm. So so it's it's yours to run with. You just got to run within the walls. Yeah. And so, so whether that's a, a team member that that has a great idea, there there's one young lady that that worked for us um, before she went to college, and and she was not vertically blessed, and so she was always having trouble seeing into the tea urns that were on a shelf in the drive-through, and so she said, you know what, if we just put a mirror at an angle, I could pour tea. From my five foot one stature, huh. I could pour tea and see if it was getting full or not. Hmm. But otherwise, 
I'm just hoping it, I'm not overflowing the, right. the, the yeah, tea. Yeah. And, uh, and so we, we still have those mirrors in place today uh, with a thank you to her printed uh, <laughs> on a awesome. sticker. And so, so, you know, we've, we've had tons and tons of things that have come from team member innovation or from sitting at the window, the Casey's General Store gas station that's next to us uh, had a, a walk behind broom. So it was like a, um, like it, it kind of spins and picks up all kinds of trash and they're just walking. And I was sitting there one day, I'm thinking, why have I never seen one of these before? Right. How do I get one? Because I feel like that's got to make the team member experience better than walking out in the parking lot with a broom and a dustpan. Yeah. Um, and, and so, um, you know, from that, then, uh, then other things come, Hey, well, you know what, we can use that for something else too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether it's something simple or something super significant, um, you know, that my, my entire team knows it, it's okay to it's okay to bring an idea, and if we've tried it and it's failed, we'll go ahead and tell you. Yeah. Um. And but but if it's a if it's something that you know sounds like it might work, we're willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, because if we, the the moment that we stop innovating is the moment that we're behind. Hmm. So that's good. So would you say that you are a constant evaluator of processes, and how do you balance that with positive feedback and not just always negatively interpreting things or negatively looking at things and saying this needs to be better, this needs to be better, and really celebrating the wins? Yeah. Constant evaluator, uh, absolutely. Uh, so I would say that probably one of my my greatest strengths is that I'm an active problem solver. Okay. Um, uh, so a lot of times I will solve the problem and then push it right back to somebody else to execute. Mm. Um, but at the same time, if if we're not constantly evaluating, um, I would say that again we're we're behind. You know, so so whether that's um, making sure that two pickles are are positioned just so on a on an evenly buttered bun. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you can get passionate about the product being right and you're constantly evaluating that, then, then you can get just as passionate about making sure that everything that leads to that, um, is, is something that, that requires your attention, you know, whether that's, um, you know, what the, what our guest perception is on the, um, as you walk in the doors, I had, uh, an older gentleman, uh, who, retired from a career as a horticulturist probably a few months ago. He came in and he said, hey, just wanted to let you know your planters out there, they're not looking so great. I said, yes, sir. It's been about 110 degrees for the last couple of weeks. Right. And what I just did there was I just made an excuse. So I'm going to go fix that right now because it wasn't something on my radar. Mm-hmm. And and the moment that I saw it a week or two prior, I'm like, yeah, it's 110 degrees. What what can I plant? I don't know. I'm not a landscaper, but we'll figure something out in a couple of weeks when it's not 100 degrees outside and these these uh these nice landscaping pots by the front doors that are meant to be inviting are just roasting everything. So that was an excuse and I'll you noticed it because that was your passion. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll go figure that out. And um you know, then, then from there, it's like, okay, I don't I, like, I don't always see, uh, the planters when I walk in the door, but I know I have people that have the same passion. So how do I make sure they know, make sure you're watching out for that stuff mm. and fix it when it's wrong. Yeah. But then, you know, from there, I think really that, that one of my greatest roles in the restaurant is just, is just being the eyes for the brand. Right. I mean, that's why Chick-fil-A signed an agreement with me is, is to protect the brand here in Branson, Missouri. And so, um, so if I'm, if I'm constantly evaluating, but not doing anything about it, then it's kind of a waste. But if I can evaluate, share, share feedback, sometimes it means fix it right then me, 
right then. Sometimes it's, hey, I need somebody else to see this because I'm not going to be here the next time that this happens. So I, I need lots of different eyes looking at the same problem. Hmm. Um, then that, that I think when you, when you can get to that layer down and then people are seeing through your eyes, you know what? Every time Kevin comes in, he says something about the doors being dirty. Well, it's super easy, right? You've just eaten a Chick-fil-A sandwich with your hands. Right. Maybe you haven't uh, gone to the bathroom and washed them first, and then you're going to go and plant them right on the doors. What's going to happen? There's fingerprints everywhere. We clean it off. 20 minutes later, it's there again. But if we stop cleaning it off, we'll never get it back to, to correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if, if I'm saying that every time I come in, you know, and I can get somebody to catch on to that and they think, oh, you know what? It's not because Kevin's coming in. Their job is not to serve me, right? Their job is to do their best. So, so if they can come in and say, you know what? I now see what Kevin sees. We should take care of that because it's the right thing, not because we're trying to please Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's when you get to the win. Yeah. Um, I don't need people mopping a floor right before I walk in or, or wiping the windows down right before I walk in to please me because that that's that's not in the job description. Yeah. So it's about creating excellence all the time, not just when an important person walks in or when when yeah. you walk in. That's good. So I think to really land the plane of this this episode, I want to give you the mic and just say, Kevin, if you were to look back on your twenty year old self or you at twenty years old, what would you tell that Kevin? What would you tell yourself? What would you tell to the twenty year old listener that is looking towards the future? They have endless opportunities in front of them. What do you wish you would have known at that time? So in looking back on my college career, I guess I could go two ways with it. I could go to the uh, the world is run by C students claim, and I would I would say that I'm in that demographic. But I think that I, I had the capability to graduate college with a 4.0, mm. and and I let other things distract me. They weren't bad things. They were work and and relationships and friendships and just doing um, things that were good. I was blessed to hang out in good crowds. If you're in a bad crowd, now's the time to say no to drugs. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the the uh, social messaging, but I was just blessed to be around a really good crowd. Um, and, but sometimes I regret not, why, why not a 4.0 in college? Um, looking back on it now, does it matter? It doesn't matter to anybody but me. Hmm. But I would also say in, in that those early years and you see it, it's not just for somebody that's 20, it's somebody that's trying to figure out where they are in life right now. Um, figuring out what's your, why, who do you want to be? Um, why do you want to be that? And, and really just determining what, what you want your life to look like as a life well lived. And I think if you get to, you know, we talk about the Chick-fil-A corporate purpose. I think if you get to your personal purpose uh, and, and you can say these are the things that when somebody talks about Kevin Hutchison, I want, I want this to pop to mind. Um, the more you can do to figure that out early, uh, I, I think the, the better off that you are. You know, also don't, don't allow comparison and... Just thinking that that somebody else has it figured out more than you do, discourage. Mm. The grass is not always greener, and even if it's greener, it might not be the type of grass that you need. Mm. I would just say, you know, I, I would encourage people just to f- figure out who you are and what you want to be known for. Um, you know, Truett early in his life chose his life verse um, was a, a good name is better be chosen than great riches, more precious silver or gold. I would say that 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 life verse for him. Um, was evident from a very young age um, and until the time that he passed away. He Truett had a good name, um, and he figured out what he wanted to be known for. Uh, growing a, a, a billion-dollar organization was great, 
but he really wanted to be known for the relationships that he cultivated and the people that he cared for. And so, um, so I think that's just a, a, a great reminder to us all that we need to figure out who, who we're going to be and what our name is going to mean um, when, when someone else says it. That's great. Well, Kevin, thanks for being on. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. 